Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time. I'm Ned Keaton. I'm joined today by Harry Brent to run the rule over another busy weekend of Premier League football. But also, Harry, we've got the uh, return of the Champions League to look forward to coming up in the second half of the show. Uh, but first things first, like I said, uh, another busy weekend in the Premier League. However, we'll probably have to start this one by uh, talking about uh, not necessarily something off the pitch, uh, but definitely not something that kind of involves footballers. And, and a bizarre one um, as well in that the linesman in uh, Arsenal's draw at Liverpool on Sunday, Constantine Hatsidakis, getting himself involved with uh, Andy Robertson and appearing to throw an elbow uh, in the direction of Robertson's neck. It's just a, a strange, again, you know, I, I, I think I, I think we were last on, correct me if I'm wrong, um, but I think I was saying to you, you know, kind of when you were last on the show about things that you plan and you talk about, and you think, oh, okay, we'll talk about this, we'll talk about that. I never, ever, ever, ever thought that we'd be talking about a linesman throwing an elbow at a player. It's bonkers, isn't it? I mean, it's, and it looks like it's going to rumble on, which, you know, I mean, you can understand it because as you say, it's such an odd situation. It, it was just, just so, so silly. I, I do, you know, I think that there's, there is a sense to say that it, there are, you know, it's slightly getting blown out of proportion given that there's talk of banning him and, you know, all this sort of thing as much as, as much as, you know, it's obviously should be condemned and, and you know, whether or not it, the elbow actually, actually made contact with his face or whatever is kind of besides the point. There shouldn't have been a reaction. But I think that officials should be held, like police officers do, uh, are rather, to a higher moral standard than everybody else, even even if you know they do get a hell of a lot of dogs abuse, which they do from players. Um, so yeah, silly, silly thing to do. I do feel sorry for him though, because I, I think he's going to get it now from, from, from all corners. Next time he's officiating a game, he's going to get it in the neck from France. But uh, yeah, silly, silly reaction. In terms of the game itself though, um, and in terms of what it means for, for both sides, I mean, the, the strange thing here is that I'm about to say that Arsenal will be perhaps looking at that point thinking what a fortunate point it was and, and we kind of, you know, took the medicine and got out of there. But they were 2 nil up in the game. It sounds weird to say that, doesn't it, about a team being thankful that they'd, uh, you know, come out of the game with a point having led 2 nil. But that's how it kind of un- and unfolded for Arsenal really, isn't it, in terms of that game and and I suppose kind of maybe previous Arsenal teams, yeah, I'm not saying would have folded a bit more, but, you know, it, it was still a sign of progression for Arsenal. And again, even though that they did throw away a two-goal lead, that they were able to hold on, get that point, 
and they'll probably look back on this as a point gain rather than points dropped in the title race, despite the fact that they did have that two-goal lead and it, and it got worked out. It's like, it does seem like a strange one, but I think Arsenal will definitely be looking back on this in a, in a positive light. Yeah, I mean, I I think that, I mean, certainly if you do, you've asked Arsenal fans or Arsenal, but Michael Arteta at the start of the season, would you take a point at Hampshire? Obviously, they'd have said absolutely we would. But, you know, I think, and, and as you said, the rec- their record of uh, Liverpool um, in recent years has not been good. But you know, I think when you look at all the other sort of contexts of the, uh, you know, the, how they're performing this season, how Liverpool are performing this season, I'm not sure they'd be, they're going to, I don't think they walked away happy from that, particularly as, I think that leaves leaves the door open for Man City to go top if they beat Arsenal and win their game in hand. So, um, and there's there's a slight red flag for me, as you said, given the way that they had a two goal lead and let it slip. Obviously, we remember how they fell away a little bit in last season when they you know were in the race with Tottenham for the top four. I know it's a different team with a different energy, but there is a bit of a sense of oh, could this could this happen again? You know, particularly the way that they that they they sort of threw threw it away. So, yeah, I I. I progression in terms of better result against Liverpool but I, I don't think Arsenal will be happy with that I suppose there as you said you know kind of the, the beast that that probably gives to Man City in that title race um, you know and, and kind of it, it stops it being a, a, a kind of uh, in terms of the swings that they need and everything else to come with it, that City only have to win two games and Arsenal drop points in two games and then it brings them all back together uh, sorry Arsenal losing two games and, and brings them all back together um, but in terms of Liverpool and what that game means for them, they'll probably come away from it very, very disappointed and upset that they didn't get the win. And again, that this is, you know, it, it's it's such a strange running that Liverpool coming back from two goals down on to draw and they're upset. Again, it's that that weird kind of mindset for it. But it's probably, you know, Jurgen Klopp himself said that it's another step in the right direction, another side of progress. And I suppose that is the thing for Liverpool, that they didn't kind of crumble, that when they went two goals down, they still found a way, fought their way back into the match. I suppose it's probably, you know, given the season that they've had to still be disappointed after coming from two goals down, it's probably an, an, a nice sign that they're heading in the right direction. But again, in in that battle for the top four, they kind of need every point that they can get. And it's probably looking week by week where they're not winning games. Obviously, lost to Man City the week before, drawing against Arsenal this week, but that's getting further and further away. And it's probably starting to look like it won't happen. Yes, yeah, I mean, it's a really... Confusing one with Liverpool this season. I just said that the, it, I almost feel like the race for the top four is sort of a bit of a annoying distraction for them because I think a lot of them, are, you get the sense that they are a bit sort of thinking, let's just get to the end of the season. This season has been a, night, a bit of a nightmare. You know, we'll regroup. Maybe plus some players go in, maybe some players go out um, in the summer. Um, but, you know, as they've demonstrated in the, you know, particularly in the sort of second half of the latter stages of, of the Arsenal game. And, you know, obviously the big win against Manchester United, they have capable players, they have capable people in their squad. And and I've got no doubt that they will be back to their usual sort of best once they have, once they just sort of get through this this period. Because, you know, psych- psychologically it's quite hard, particularly when the season is, you know, so nearly ended and stuff. It's quite hard to just dig yourself out completely without there being any sort of big change like a manager or a load of new players. So, um, yeah, weird one, but I think they'll be back. In terms of Manchester City, Liverpool's perennial rivals, not so this season, but they are uh, putting the pressure on Arsenal. We spoke there about earlier about the door being open now, left open for City with, with Arsenal dropping points at Liverpool. Uh, obviously, you know, the, the kind of sides played, uh, Manchester City played Saturday, Arsenal played afterwards. So, of course, City winning book pressure on Arsenal but in terms of that win this stage of the season 
you know, Jurgen Klopp has used this phrase in the past about mentality monsters, but actually coming into this stage of the season, in the final few weeks of the season, Manchester City are normally the mentality mon- monsters under Pep Guardiola. And they're showing that again in the way that they're being so ruthlessly efficient. Week before against Liverpool, this week against Southampton, that they are just a machine at this time of the season. And Arsenal have to almost be perfect probably from here on out because City look like they are going to dominate every side that they come up against in the Premier League. Yeah, I I think it's going to be interesting at show. You know, for the first, I was thinking about this earlier today. For the for, for, while, you're absolutely right. They usually are pretty ruthless when it comes to the final few weeks of the season. They've usually, or in fact, entirely when they've been under Guardiola, been defending the lead rather than chasing. And I just wonder whether that will change any sort of you know any part of them you know the, the dynamic at all. Um, you know, I, I I think on their day there, you know, they can beat anyone. So I I wouldn't be surprised beating Arsenal twice. I wouldn't be surprised if they beat Arsenal, but. Um, you know, I, I, I think they'll drop points again. So I, I, I you know, I, and I, I do wonder whether just that sort of dynamic of we're the ones catching Arsenal rather than we're the ones fending off the challenge will make them a little bit more unsure of themselves. And, you know, they're the ones who have to have to produce, but yeah, I, you know, I, I do, I do think, uh, I do think it's going to be, it's going to be interesting, but you know, who, who knows with, with, with Man City, there'll be a slightly different dynamic this season. So we'll see. Moving away from the title race now and looking a little bit further down the table. And when I say further, I mean into the bottom half of the table. Uh, unfortunately for Chelsea fans, that's where they have to look now for, for their team. But another defeat at the weekend. Uh, Frank Lampard's first game back in charge of Chelsea after returning as caretaker manager until the end of the season. I'll be honest, I wasn't expecting them to, you know, kind of turn into the Harlem Globetrotters on the Lampard overnight. In fact, I probably would have expected them to lose. I, I, I'm, I'm not a big fan of, of Lampard the manager but losing to Wolves suggests and shows that it wasn't just Graham Potter was the issue and the problem there that Chelsea probably do have issues and problems that run deeper than whoever the manager is and it's going to take some effort and some time and probably a lot more of Todd Burley's money to to, to sort this out come the summer as well it looks like a, a really really difficult period for Chelsea and a team that are still trying to find themselves out and work out really how they gel and play together which I suppose when you do spend that much money and bring in so many players that's always going to be an issue yeah I, I think it's a little bit easy to overanalyze Chelsea this season to be honest you know they're the, given the everything that's happened not just on the pitch but off the pitch all the, all the disruption and, and the you know all the bad results and everything going they're psychologically shot they're sort of tactically all over the place and, and as I was saying with Liverpool, you know, I think that everyone in that club just wants to get to the end of the season. So as you said, I don't think anyone particularly expected them to turn into the hard and go blood trotters, you know, when Lampard comes in. I don't think anyone particularly thought that, you know, Graham Potter was was just completely inept. I think there were clear problems with, you know, members of the squad, team, tactics, all that stuff. But, you know, I don't think that, I, I, you know, I, there's a big sense of just get to get you know get to the summer, find a source a source of permanent replacement, give him a preseason. I mean, that was always the thing that people were saying with they should give to Graham Potter, you know, and, and he might have, sort of have a chance to turn things around. Uh, never got the preseason that that uh, that he should have been given, really. But um, yeah, I you know I I wouldn't I I don't think that I, I I think it was probably still the right decision to give lampard the reins just in the sense that he's got the best chance of giving the club a bit of an emotional lift which i think is about the best thing that they can hope for because as i say there's so much no one you know there's players so many players are going to leave in the in the the summer there's players who have come in who are still settling there's no point in trying to get sort of intricate with with uh with the squad and the tactics so yeah tough tough times for them talking of another former premier league champion uh, that's having a difficult season while playing in blue 
less than a, just look a complete loss at the minute, Harry. I, I must say, from a, from afar, um, obviously a difficult season up to this point. Getting rid of Brendan Rodgers last week after losing to Crystal Palace, another team down there in that relegation fight with them, and then losing at home this weekend to Bournemouth in that relegation dogfight and dog battle that they've got going on down there. Both games against teams around you, you have to, you know, all right, you 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 know, you'd ideally want to win them both. You have to make sure that the opposition don't come out of it with too many points either. Um, so not so much to to kind of open up the gaps between you, but Leicester look like that they are the team that has kind of started this vital period, this vital running until the end of the season with bad momentum behind them. And I think, I'm not sure if you, you might agree here, but I think we're looking at now a stage of Southampton, Leicester and one other going down. And it is those defeats against those sides around them that, that have proved costly in the last couple of weeks. It seems weird. You know, you would have said to me before... The Premier League returned after the international break. You know, who would you suspect to be going down? I wouldn't have put Leicester amongst them. Yeah, I mean, it, it's just mad that we're in this position. As you said, no one, no one could have predicted it, even even when they started the season badly. Uh, you know, and people expected them to turn their forces around. They've just got such a good squad. I mean, you know, if they go down, they may be arguably the best team on paper, at least, or best squad on paper, at least, to go down ever. So um, it is just an incredible situation. And, and, so difficult now that with with Rogers gone because you know they're sort of stuck in in many ways. If the chances of hiring a, a decent enough interim manager are pretty are pretty slim, and and obviously given the precariousness of their position, no permanent manager is going to want a decent permanent manager is going to be too happy with coming in and and uh, and and taking the job on because I mean we saw it with obviously Jesse Marsh rejecting the job so you know, he's not necessarily an outstanding candidate. That just shows that there's a level of problems. So yeah, I, I mean, I really fear, I really fear for them. And, you know, you, you expect their squad that I know they've been having financial problems for the last couple of years. So you expect their squads to probably get gutted if they go down as well as a few players already getting linked with big clubs, Madison, Tiedemans, Arthur Barnes, whoever else. So, and yeah, I, it's mad to think we're here, but yeah, this is really looking serious for them now. In terms of the battles that we've got going on, in the Premier League, it seems kind of everywhere that you look, there's still something to, to play for, isn't there? You know, you've got the title race, it looks like it's going to be a great one. The race for the top four, there's still so many teams involved in that. The relegation fight, again, there's one or two teams that are starting to pull themselves away from that. You know, Crystal Palace, obviously, with Roy Hodgson back there, seem to be, I would say, we can, we can you know, pretty fairly confidently say that they will be safe this season there with those two wins behind them. But everywhere there's still something to play for. I can't remember a season like this where it is just kind of everyone still really has something to kind of go for and chase for in, in the closing weeks of the campaign. Now that you mention it, it is a good point. Usually, the, as you say, the title race is done or the, or the you know, the relegation is kind of sealed or this is one place, space they're fine for. So, you know, there's not going to say this has been one of the most entertaining and surprising seasons, particularly given the kind of fluctuating forms of some of the big teams and surprises. So, um, but yeah, it's, it has been a, it has been a mad a mad season but an enjoyable one not from my perspective I'm a Chelsea fan so that's not been a fun one for me but uh, generally speaking yes as we said yes Champions League football returns this week the last eight uh, the, the quarterfinals uh, of the Champions League Manchester City hosting Bayern Munich in their first leg on Tuesday night. And with that in mind, Harry, the fact that they're at home in this game, is it 
that they have to go to Munich with a win behind them. Of course, at this point, you know, away goals, they no longer exist. So the other bit of the question there, if it, if it was still in play, was do they have to kick a clean sheet? And is that more important? But with no longer away goals, is it just a, a fact of taking a lead, taking an advantage, being crucial to Manchester City in this time of Bayern Munich? Yeah, I, I mean, I don't, I don't think they necessarily need a win to go there. I mean, Man, you know, Man City got one of the big, you know, best squads, best 11s in Europe. I think on their day they can beat anybody. Um, you know, even a, even a team as sort of uh, strong as strong as Bayern Munich. So I, I don't necessarily think they need they need a win. And as you said, the fact that the away goals are no longer a thing, it doesn't sort of it's not hugely uh, significant anymore. Um, but um, yeah, you know, given the way that they went out against Real Madrid last year and the kind of heartbreak of that, I think a win would give them a hell of a lot of confidence. Uh, you know, particularly as the Champions League is still the thing that's eluded Man City after everything. So, uh, not necessary, but it will help them massively, which I guess is a bit of a, you know, uninteresting thing to say. In terms of, uh, you mentioned there, obviously the Champions League being the one trophy to elude Man City and Pep Guardiola in his time as Man City boss, and they're coming up against a man who was the one who stopped them. The closest that they came to it was obviously the, the 2021 Champions League final. Thomas Tuchel was in charge of Chelsea at the time. Thomas Tuchel masterminded a victory over Manchester City. Pep Guardiola uh, in his uh, at weekend was already speaking very highly of Thomas Tuchel and knows the, the, the kind of job that he'll be working hard to implement at Bayern Munich having only recently taken the job after the sacking of Julian Nagelsmann. Does that add a little bit more of a nice and tasty subplot to it than if it was Nagelsmann versus Guardiola that we've got Thomas Tuchel, the man who stopped Manchester City's dreams of becoming European champions in 2021, that he's now going to be in the dugout for, for these two games? Definitely. I mean, you know, I, there's, there is a definite sense that you could say Tuchel has a bit of an edge on him. I know that in the uh, Tuchel's final full season, 2021-22, they was, they was, um, didn't have so much success again. I think played... Um, Guardiola twice. I don't think I don't think one one either of the games. But um, yeah, I did. I, I remember there was a period in the season where Tuchel came into Chelsea twenty 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 one. Um, they played Chelsea played Man City. I think back to back. I think it was one I think it was April. It was a game in the Premier League and, and in the FA Cup, and it was really fascinating to to watch. I mean, I, I had to read this in an article. I wasn't smart enough to notice it at the time, but I remember seeing this sort of really interesting tactical battle. One of them would make a a, a sort of you know subtle switch, and within minutes, the other one had done something to kind of rectify it and and, and change it. It was really really interesting. And I expect to see loads more of that. They've been foes for a long time, going back all the way to Dortmund and 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 Bayern. So um, yeah, I, I really think that will be interesting. And given Pep's you know sort of habit of overthinking and doing something a bit weird in the Champions League given the fact that he's got Maya Tuchel in his head a little bit that probably means we're going to see a little bit of a strange lineup or something strange in the in one of the games I'd imagine yeah normally you do get one of those a season where, where Guardiola what was it the, was it the 2021 where they went out to Lyon in the quarterfinals and he started playing wing backs to try and nullify Lyon's threat that still strikes me as bizarre that, that, that Manchester City all conquered all dominant Manchester City are worried, worried about uh, Leon's threats but but there we were um, the other English side in the quarterfinals and this is your chance to be nice and optimistic about Chelsea is of course your beloved Blues going to uh, going to the defending champions this week in, in that first leg uh, up against Real Madrid up against obviously Carlo Ancelotti former Chelsea manager as well what's the best that Chelsea can perhaps expect given Obviously, what's going on domestically at the minute? Frank Lampard back in charge as well. What's the best that Chelsea can expect from their trip to Madrid? Well, I mean, Real Madrid are heavy favourites. That's there's no doubt about that. Um, and I don't expect Chelsea to 
get a result necessarily, but I, I think they can. You know, they, they might be all over the place psychologically and, and tactically, but they've got a hell of a lot of talent in that squad. And there's no, there's nothing to say that over 90 minutes they can't put a performance in and just and just happen to to, to beat a big team. I mean, we saw it with um, two games against Dortmund. I know, I know in the previous round, I know they lost the first leg, but they were unlucky to lose the first leg. Uh, and they comfortably won the second one, probably with a with a striker who could actually score goals. They'd have scored three or four. So, um, uh, and then this is a dormant team that was, a, you know, on a mad run of form in 2023. It got above, you know, Bayern Munich briefly before they lost to them the other week. So, um, you know, I think that obviously, I'm guessing it, they'll they'll probably go out to try and get a draw or something similar. But um, yeah, I expect them to lose. But there's no there's no denying that they definitely can win. In terms of uh... Chelsea as well. It's not the first time that they've been kind of, you know, you look back at the history of the club and, and the two Champions League wins, the two Champions League success to come when Chelsea have changed their manager mid-season. Obviously, 2012, it was Roberto Di Matteo that replaced Andre Villas-Boas and, and Chelsea went on to win the final again by Munich in Munich. 2021, Thomas Tuchel comes in replacing Frank Lampard. Funny how that goes, isn't it? But we're, we're now back to full circle. We're talking about Frank Lampard being Chelsea plus again. But anyway... Lampard is the one that's come in now, the mid-season replacement this time. Can history repeat itself for a third time or are we, you know, probably putting a bit too much weight on what's happened in the past and that this is a, a different Chelsea, a different stage of, of, of evolution and development? I mean, it's a, a similar answer to the, to the previous question. They can. It's very unlikely to happen. I think that the key difference between those two instances you mentioned, to Di Matteo and Tuchel coming in and winning, I think obviously Thomas Tuchel, we now pre- appreciate that he... Is a far greater tactician than than probably Lampard is, um, and I think in Di Matteo's case, he had a squad full of underperforming but big characters and big leaders, and uh, you know a hell of a lot of senior players who'd won a lot. So you know, I I don't think Lampard has either of those things at his disposal. So I would be very surprised if there was a miracle coming for Chelsea. Having said that, knockout football is unpredictable, and as I say, you've only got to be better than a team for you know, 180 minutes, whatever it is. So um, there's no set, there's no sort of, I'd be silly to completely write them off, uh, particularly given the fact that I'm, I think I'm right in saying they played the winner of Man City in Bayern and so it's not, a, not an easy run, but, you know, I, I, as I say, I, I I highly doubt it, but it would be silly to, to completely rule them out. Yourself as a, as a Chelsea fan, who would you like to see take the reins in the summer? Is there a, a specific manager that you're kind of thinking, I want him? And then there's one or two others that you might be seeing linked to the job going, please, please, no, please, no. Who who, who do you think? Is it more kind of based on, uh, you know, the type of manager, the personality that they've got? Do you think that's more important than perhaps the style of football that they might want to implement with the team? Do you think it's, it's more down to, with so many big players, big name players that have come in and arrived that maybe they need sort of money it's more important to get the personality right and perhaps the tactics right if that makes sense yeah it's it's a really it's a really good question because i you know i i i don't i didn't want graham potter to go i think i think as much as it's perfectly justifiable that he did good sacks i, I would have kept him on um there is an there is an argument to say that given the way he struggled you probably do want a bit of a big personality and i think chelsea have slightly backed themselves into a corner by giving up on the long-term project manager. So I, I you know, so, so soon. So I, I expect they won't hire us if you like black for like sort of manager, like a, someone who hasn't managed to be a big team, you know, to Zerby, for example. Um, I would probably want some, some, 
It's a really, it's a really difficult question. I'm a bit undecided. Obviously, the the, bit, the names that are linked at the moment: Nagelsmann, Enrique, Pochettino. Any of them will be fine. I don't know whether they'd be a perfect fit. I personally think that the best teams in football now are governed by cohesive tactical intricacy. So I would want a manager who has a kind of you know enough tactical nous and flexibility to be able to kind of out outfox you know, whatever team come, comes, comes ahead of him. I think Nagelsmann's got a good, got a good chance of doing that. He, you know, tinkers with a few formations and seems to have, you know, mixed success, but he's, you know, he's, he's been pretty strong with it. So Luis Enrique, as much as Spain were a bit weak in the world cup and, 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 and whatever else, but I do, I do like, um, sporting's manager, Amarim. I was really impressed with the way they played against, uh, against Arsenal and, and, you know, the bits I've seen of them, uh, you know, occasionally over the, over, over the past few months. Um, I don't think Chelsea will go for a, a quote unquote unknown, uh, but I wouldn't mind taking a pun on him to be honest. No, for sure, he's, he's definitely someone that uh, I think has a burgeoning reputation, uh, burgeoning managerial reputation in terms of what he's done. Um, which which small thing is when they kind of taking him back up to the uh, to the top of, of, of Portuguese football and kind of breaking that dominance that, that Porto and Benfica enjoyed for so many years. Um, looking at the, the uh, Europa League now. Manchester United, they're up in the quarterfinals up against Sevilla this week. A team that obviously famously knocked them out of the Champions League a few years ago and, and led to a, a much-used uh, Manchester United meme uh, with Jose Mourinho moaning about the history and the tradition, wasn't it? Um, but in terms of this competition, the Europa League this year, another opportunity for Eric Ten Hag to kind of really set out his stall early, win another big competition for Manchester United. And that's what they should be looking at, I suppose, getting into the quarterfinals. And they should be looking past Sevilla. And again, similar to, to how Manchester City might need to get past uh, a win at home first to get past Bayern Munich, do Manchester United need a win to take to Sevilla for the second leg? I don't think so. I, I think they're, they're strong enough to to be able to, you know, even if they struggle in one leg, they, they've got enough in them to to sort of win the tie over one leg, if you like. And particularly given the way that, I mean, Sevilla are, uh, not doing super well in the league, La Liga. I think they're in the bottom half at the moment. So, you know, I, I don't think they're the strongest opponent that, that Man United face, particularly as they've come through Barcelona to, to get there and play very, you know, how to produce a heck of an impressive performance at the new camp. So, um, I don't, I don't think they, I, I don't think that too much is riding on, on the first leg, providing they don't, don't lose and lose heavily. And as you said, it would be such a big psychological lift if they can, you know, if they can win a couple of, get a couple of trophies down, you know, uh, secured and, you know, really sort of set Ten Hag in stone as he is the the first person to fill Sir Alex Ferguson's shoes. That would be a huge lift to the club. In terms of who's left in the Europa League as well, is there a, a, a big kind of expectation, do you feel, on Manchester United that they should now go the distance? You know, the only other, you know, the, the remaining sides that are in the competition are final. Roma managed by Jose Mourinho. I think we can imagine that, you know, imagine him doing it again back to winning the Conference League last year, winning the uh, Europa League this year. But then, of course, you've got Juventus still in there. Ruben Amarim's sporting Lisbon. I think we probably both consider them to, to be nice little outside bets potentially for the, uh, for the competition. Leverkusen, Union, saint Juliois as well. In terms of those teams, Manchester United, you know, are probably and should rightly be the favourites for it, considering that. Will that expectation and pressure weigh heavy on them perhaps in this tie against Sevilla? I mean it could it could do. You know, they they, they might sort of expect to be to, you know, that that sort of weight of expectation. But I, I I don't think that the Europa League will be their biggest their biggest concern. I you know, I think obviously they'll they'll want to get in the top four and that will probably be their priority. And having already 
you know, got you know, won won the League Cups. A kind of desperation for for silverware is probably not not there. Given you know their defeat in the um, in the in the final a few years ago to to Villarreal, I think they may have a sort of sense of well, we need to you know we need to get this sort of um, checked off. But yeah, I I I, I don't know. I, I think they'll be realistic about it. I, you know, they've got so much football to play. They've been in all these competitions. They might even restitute players because I wouldn't be surprised if they prioritise the league to a certain degree. Um, so yeah, I, I don't I don't suspect they'll be too too uh, too bothered by that. And uh, of course, West Ham fans, we're not going to forget about you, the Europa Conference League, as well West Ham up against Ghent in the quarterfinals of that competition. Obviously, the focus for them is Premier League survival. That would be the the kind of the, the paramount priority for West Ham. Will the European competition, being in European competition, detract from them, give them something nice to think about as well? You know, you, you see the record that they've had so far in the Europa Conference League this season, and it's been brilliant for West Ham in, in complete contradiction to their form in the Premier League at times. So would it be not so much a welcome distraction? I don't think that's at all. But obviously the, the chance to perhaps win a, a European competition as well. A nice kind of opportunity for West Ham to, to maybe, you know, the pressure isn't on as much as it would be in the Premier League perhaps and they can kind of not go out and enjoy it, but, you know, a little bit more freedom perhaps. Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it's so hard to tell because, you know, usually if a if a, a team in the bottom half is, is playing European football and subsequently struggling in the league, often you find that the European fixtures are an unnecessary distraction and use of resources and, and energy and stuff. Um, but, you know, the, the, as you said, West Ham over the, over the past years have had some great successes in, in Europe and it might just be the, the sort of galvanize, give them a kind of galvanizing uh, effect. But, you know, I, I suspect, like, like, I said, like I said with Manchester United, They'll want to reserve their energy for for the league because that's really what's important. I know that you know winning a European competition will, will be big, but it will mean nothing if they go down. Uh, so you know, I suspect they'll probably uh, again just they'll, 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 yeah, maybe you're right. They'll have they'll 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 enjoy it out there, but I think I think the league will remain their priority for sure. Uh, and of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest out from the European uh, Champions League, Conference League, Europa Conference League. It's a bit of a mouthful to say, isn't it, as well? Why couldn't they have just come up with a snappier name for it instead? Uh, but of course, you can keep up to date with the latest from the European competitions, everything else that you'd ever want uh, across the Mirror, the Star and the Express websites. But for now, it's goodbye. Goodbye.